Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Placer. Today's guest, he's known uh, as DC Drano, real name Rogan O'Handley. Uh, this guy's story is, is awesome. Uh, I mean, talk about a transition going from a corporate lawyer in Hollywood, deciding to leave that and follow his pursuit of uh, being what really amounts to he's a political influencer um, and just a ridiculously intelligent guy. It is such a cool story, uh, and he has some great advice uh, in terms of how he answered the essential 11 questions. I know you guys are going to dig this one with Mr. Rogan O. Handley. And you know what? We make it official with Mr. Rogan O. Handley, a.k.a. DC Drano. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's a pleasure. It absolutely is a pleasure. Um, I, I figured we would probably start with a discombobulated uh, pledge of allegiance, right? Where we say under God, indivisible, under God for real, or something like that. I figured the, uh, the Biden remix. We can do that. We can, <laughs> we can do the Biden remix. Yeah, man. Um, I, dude, I love. Uh, I love your. I love your stuff. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I do. I. I and uh, even if. I don't care where somebody falls on the political spectrum. You've got to love what you're putting out because, again, you know, for me, especially in education, it's the the logic, um, just kind of poking fun at the obvious silliness. Uh, you know, it's not a not a bad thing to do, man. So, I yeah, and I mean, I'm a lawyer, and yeah. I took four constitutional law classes in law school. I went to the University of Chicago, and right. you're only required to take one constitutional law class to graduate law school typically right but i took three extras because i love the constitution i love learning about it and now i love teaching about it and it doesn't need to be in this case in 1968 the justices ruled blank yeah it just needs to be this is how it's supposed to work yep uh this is how it would apply to this situation we're seeing in real life and if you want to do further research as to why i'm right feel free to go dig through the the legal volumes in the library, but I, I know what I'm talking about. That's I love that man. So in case anybody doesn't doesn't know, doesn't have the background, do you mind uh, do you mind giving a little uh, a little X Men yeah. origin story, so to speak? Yeah. So my name is Rogan O'Handley. I run the accounts DC Durano all over uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Have a little over 2.4 million followers at this point. Mm -hmm. Been doing it for only about three years. Um, and I started out as an entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles, working in Hollywood, working on movies, TV, music, you name it, primarily movies though. And, um, you know, became fed up with how I was unable to publicly support President Trump. And this was around, you know, right after he got elected and I lived in Los Angeles, which was very inhospitable to Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. And so I started to post online anonymously at first under the pseudonym DC Drano on Instagram. And then it just kind of blew up to where it is today. Yeah, no doubt. It. How frustrating, how frustrating to be in that, you know, where, where you, where you can't support somebody like that. And you're in an industry that I had to imagine that it was literally going to, to handcuff you if you wanted to. I mean, I would think that's kind of career suicide. And again, this is somebody from the outside yeah. that's just kind of looking in, but it sounds like career suicide to re to, to support anybody on the right when you're in a, a leftist yeah. culture. That just way. to support America yeah. Yeah, yeah. is a radical 
concepts in coastal California. There's a lot of great Patriots in California. Sure. Don't get me wrong. And they're trapped sure. inland. And there's a lot of them in San Diego too. But um, it, to support the American flag, to support a border wall, to support the Constitution, these ideas are considered hate speech right. in California. And hate speech in a lot of ways is, is banned in some contexts. Uh, you know, the University of California – school system janet napolitano is ruining it with all these speech codes and right. but that's that's they are the anti-trump resistance that's the hornet's nest so yeah it was very frustrating but guess what now they pushed me to do this yep. so they wanted to stifle me from saying some things to my few hundred facebook friends now i say these things to millions of people so yeah and, and you know uh, what i mean and I, I applaud that i applaud anybody that's going to step into the gap that way you know i look at Obviously, as a career educator, and, and this is K through 12 in the public arena as a teacher and administrator. In you know, I was at Stanford for for a number of years as well, so I understand wow. education inside and out. And and so my views on education, the reason I started my own schools, right, were to to essentially complain by doing something different, by doing something better. And when you do that, inherently, people are like, well, you're anti-teacher, you're anti. Man, I'm the most I'm the most pro anti. Uh, I'm the most pro teacher, the most pro administrator on the planet. I'm anti mm -hmm. this system that has gotten us so messed up. And so, in order to kind of try to balance out how far devolved it is, I try to take it to the other extreme, right? And sometimes I think we have to do that. When we were talking to uh, talking to Dave Rubin last week, you know, and he said the reality is uh, he had just talking to he had just spoken to Joe Jorgensen. And um, Joe's coming and doing her her Northern California talk here on our Roseville campus uh, next week or the week after. And um, he said, you know, at the end of our conversation, I had to tell her there's there's no way I could vote for her. And it's not that I disagreed with a lot on her. It's that I think we have just gone so far south that Trump is the one that's going – he's the only one that has a chance of, of pulling us back in that direction. And it's that that extreme polarization that we're facing is, is unheard of, man. And, and going back into your studies, I mean, can you ever – think of or recall or know of a time that was as polarized as we are right now? No, it's definitely the worst it's ever been. I no. think what Trump does is he exposes the bad people in our government and in our culture because just his mere presence, his, his, his validation by the American people enrages them and and makes them take positions they wouldn't normally take only because they want to do the exact opposite of what trump wants so you know for example he's establishing a lot of peace in the middle east he's pulling troops out of iraq afghanistan syria he's got peace treaties with uh you know he negotiated them with israel and bahrain and and, and the uae and they're they're losing their minds they yep. hate it and it's like this is the one thing that the past four or five U.S. presidents have said they were going to fix. Right. Trump actually does it, and not to mention North Korea, and they 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 attack it as he's destabilizing the region. And we right. need to go back to what Obama. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, right? The the right. medicine that a lot of doctors tout as a prophylactic, uh, you know, treatment yep. for to help people and they say they tried to ban hydroxychloroquine now it's you know very widely available and its effects are uh very well documented so anything that actually helps the american people they attack and i think it's because he has exposed them as ultimately being evil yeah as ultimately being anti-american anti-constitution 
um, and anti-freedom. Yeah. So I, you know, support him very strongly because I believe in freedom in the Constitution. Exactly. Freedom. I always say it, man. Freedom is my favorite F word. No, I absolutely love that. And it's so interesting that, and you brought up, um, you know, the, the medical treatments. I know Brendan Schaub, uh, mixed martial arts fighter, podcaster, um, you know, comedian. Uh, I know he went to go, he, he tested positive for COVID and went in and the doctor said, well, we'd like to, we'd like to prescribe you something, but what are your political leanings before I go? Like, it's interesting that everything wow. is right. They actually asked him, they said, look, we have something that's, that's seen as a potential solution, but you know, it, it's a right wing solution, not a medical solution. It's a right wing solution. And it's such an interesting, you know, I posed a question on Twitter the other day and just said, hey, how many educators, if it comes to the point where you are going to have to take a COVID vaccination or you lose your job, how many of you are comfortable taking that? And somebody immediately came back and said, what, well, of course I would take it. What do you, is this some MAGA type question? I'm like, no, this is a medical Socratic kind of like, hey, you've got this choice or this choice, which one would you do? I didn't say anything about politics, but it's so mm -hmm. interesting that we're in this place where everything gets brought in. We're playing this identity politics sort of role. Um, and just somebody like Trump speaking out and just wanting freedom, all of a sudden now is this crazy right-wing conspiracy sort of deal. So yeah, it's wild, man. Um, yeah, and and, and it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it because, you know, you would probably expect Trump supporters to want, you know, more government intrusion, more government mandates, because we control most of the federal government right. and, and most of the state governments. But we don't want that. We want more freedom. Right. And we want to put people in place like President Trump that give us back our rights, give us back our freedom. It, we are not a country, uh, uh, you know, of a with a government that also has a people. We are a people that also has a government. Yeah. So it, yep. there's a very there's a very clear difference. This is not some type of monarchy, and we give them all our power. Right. The Bill of Rights in the Constitution made very clear what inalienable rights we are born with as as you know children of God, mm -hmm. and the government cannot intrude upon those. The yep. Constitution is built to restrict the government. I love it. One of the um... One of the things you've know, been following, been following you for a while now. One of the things that I have the the most amount of respect for personally, and not just not a political thing. It's a it's a man to man thing, and appreciation of another man who is willing to stand up for his ideals, is that you had gone down this path. You were in a in a successful by all you know measures career, and decided, look, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and pull the plug on that. Go to something that's a less you know as far as society is concerned, a less surefire. Uh, you know, career path, and I'm going to go stand up for what I believe in, and I'm going to build a career around that. Right? And I know walking out of very good jobs in education to say, "Hey, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go speak for a few years and travel the world, and then I'm going to build my own schools." I know the immediate response from my family was like, "Are you sure that's risky? This sounds like a bad idea. Are you sure that's what you want to do?" Right? I imagine you got some of that as well. Talk about that transition, and did you get a lot of pushback? Um, from family and friends? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Pretty much anyone I brought it up to thought I was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I had spent a, pretty much a decade of my life investing into my legal career. Yep. You know, I studied for a year to take the LSAT. I went to law school for three years. 
And then I worked in a corporate, two corporate law firms for six years after that. And I owned a house. I had a nice BMW. I lived, it was a townhome. Uh, I lived in the Valley in yeah. right in Los Angeles, Sherman Oaks. Yep. And, you know, had a nice cushy office with a ocean view and a secretary and guaranteed paycheck, a lot of money, yep. probably more than I deserved. But at a certain point, I think a man comes to a point in his life where he thinks, okay, do I want to just make money and not stand up for what I believe in or give up the money and stand up for what I believe in and know that I did everything I could to help save this country, help save innocent people, help protect the constitution. And I figured, you know, we've got over a million troops that have fought and died and, and probably multi-millions more that have been injured in wars fighting to protect our way of life, our freedoms. The very least I could do is post some memes on Instagram. (laughs) And, you know, post some tweets. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the very least I could do to protect at home what they fought and died for overseas. So to me, this is my gift back to them, my appreciation tribute to them for what they did. And yeah, I, you know, I moved to to Florida. I sold my house. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time who didn't like what I was doing. I had family members that were very upset with what I was doing. People thought I was crazy, but deep down I felt completely calm about it. And that's tough to explain to people, but sometimes you just know you have to do something and nothing's going to stop you. And I've been very fortunate enough. God has, you know, given me enough to, to get by and to, you know, I was living off savings for a while. Yeah. But eventually things started to, to build up and yep. that wasn't even the goal. It, the goal was just to help save the country. Right. Um, but, you know, enough enough uh, opportunities presented itself now. And, you know, I'm just trying to do everything I can. No, I appreciate that. That's the uh, that's the integrity piece. And when you're when you're at one with that integrity, I think that piece, that inner peace that you're talking about. Um, I, I think that any man that gets to that point where he feels like he's doing what he's supposed to do, he's fulfilling that calling, right? That's when that peace settles in. So anybody that, that I think is there will completely understand uh, what it is that you're talking about, you know, and I, and I, and I have so much respect for that. We talk about, um, you know, and I've talked with a couple guys on here, Jack Donovan, Ryan Mickler, you know, about um, the difference between being a good man and also being good at being a man. And that is part of that is, is answering that answering that calling and doing what you need to do. You know, we've uh, got a uh, program that we're working on that is starting out as a virtual campus that will eventually be one of our physical campuses. And I'm working with a gentleman named Tim Kennedy, if you know who that is out in... Uh, great guy. Yeah, great guy. Tim, great. You want to talk about a man? I mean, a solid, that's a solid, solid individual that's, right there. That's about as good as it gets that's right about, there. I, I agree, man. I agree. Um, in all, all accounts, great dude and just a savage, you know, he's a savage gentleman, right? Um, oh, yeah. And so we're creating this uh, a program for for young men to encourage young men to to grow into the kind of leaders that we need that, that will step into the into that gap that'll pursue that calling, and um, we're we're creating all the you know that'll launch this fall and we're creating all of the mm-hmm. um, the videos and some of the some of the content around that and one of the things that we're using is Teddy Roosevelt's letter 
two young men on becoming men. And if anybody has not read that, man, I highly, highly encourage that because that's what the entire thing is about. It's about making that decision to finally step into what you know is right. And that if we're going to bring our country back as a collective unit to where it needs to be, it's going to take each individual answering his calling to to move into that for the collective, right? And I think that's exactly what you're an example of, man. So that's what I appreciate the most. It's a big deal. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. I'm going gonna, gonna to read that letter right after this podcast. Do I it, just man. wrote myself a note. Yeah, please do. I don't yeah. think I have read it before. It doesn't ring a bell, uh, but I do know that Teddy Roosevelt was an awesome guy. And, oh. and if I recalling correctly, he used to actually do bare knuckle boxing in the White House. In the White House. In, in the, the White, White House. House. Absolutely did. Absolutely. Absolute did. savage. Gee, what a savage, man. I mean, anybody that can take a, a bullet from a 38 to the chest and then go up and as he's on his way to give a speech and then go continue to deliver the speech. You know, he's, I think he said something along the lines of it takes a whole lot more than that to stop a bull moose or something like that. He says, I don't know if you fully understand that I've just been shot, but here's what I needed to say, right? I mean, the guy was just, uh, um, I mean, he was an absolute absolute monster in all the best ways. And uh, somebody that I, I definitely look to, uh, you know, in, in kind of creating my own personal mastermind of somebody that has attributes um, that, that I'd like to cultivate for myself. Do you have anybody that you have, you know, and this is one of the questions that the youth, th- you know, threw in, anybody that kind of um, inspires you or people that you look to as, as mentors, or if you create kind of a mastermind of like, Ooh, I really like this, the way this guy does this. And I want to try to bring that into myself. And this guy, the way he does this, do you have any of those people that kind of stand out for you in your mind, alive, dead, or otherwise? George Washington. Mm. What about him? I think he's, you know, a completely unattainable you know legend status yeah that everyone should at least aspire to be more like mm-hmm. uh you know this guy fought in a revolution he led a a very unrealistic military campaign against the most powerful military empire in the world he was a very soft-spoken kind of quiet guy who just wanted to be a good patriot. He ended up being the president of the United States for two terms, I believe. And I think he could have even done more, Uh, but he didn't want to. He didn't want the presidency to become a monarchy. Yeah. And he, um, you know, walked the walk, talked the talk. Yeah. Um, I really like Winston Churchill. Mm. He was great. He, he was an unstoppable force during a time when people needed strong leadership. Yeah. And frankly, President Trump, yeah. you know, what, what President Trump has done, especially living through it and seeing the day to day, will go down in history. I think he will ultimately be judged as one of our greatest U.S. presidents, especially when he wins a second term and continues doing what he's done. I think the truth about what he's actually facing will ultimately come out and it's he's battling a, a an invisible enemy as he says and it's a lot of evil forces around the world that want to see America destroyed and will do anything they can and you know he he he's battling it so those are those are three people and he and he gave up so much to do this yeah yep. you know he had a billionaire lifestyle he was a celebrity everything was perfect yeah 
Yeah. And he gave it all up to the most difficult position. Yeah. Period. Yeah. He, he gave it all up. And, you know, uh, I saw this post, uh, I, I posted it, but he was at a Michigan rally and the crowd started breaking down to a chant. We love you. We love you. And the fake news says, oh, you know, they're cultists. They're da 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 because they just want to demonize what is actually going on here. And it's real hardworking, blue collar American people that understand what this man is putting himself and his family through to fight for them. He's given up so much money and opportunities to fight for America. So he's someone I deeply respect. Yeah. And that's, you know, and I love, I love, I cannot see again, I don't care where you're pull. I mean, I do care, but if, if some, depending upon where your political leanings are, that's, that's fine. I don't see how somebody can look at him and not have uh, respect. I can understand you're not agreeing with some of his policies. I can understand saying, it's, you know, hey, some of the stuff that he says sometimes is ridiculous. And I, I get it. I can totally see people saying that. I do not understand anybody that does not respect uh, him, everything he's doing, everything he's trying to do. I can't, that I cannot see. You, you notice they don't call him a, a, a bumbling buffoon anymore because he's beat them at their own game right. so many times that if you're calling him an idiot, then what are you? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And one of the thing that I, another thing I respect about him is his, and again, you can call it ego, and there may be some of that there, but his, his self-confidence, um, and I think true self-confidence, right, is rooted in actually having done some things. I think if you've never done anything, but you're wildly confident, then it's just ego. You've never actually done anything. That's an entitlement, right? That's a that's an ego trip. When you've done things like that, his self-confidence is, uh, is, is off the charts to deal with the amount of backlash, right? Your self-confidence and you, and I'm sure you deal with, with backlash. I would, I would imagine you deal with people that are jumping on and I've seen some on the post, people jumping in and saying things. I imagine you probably get crazy DMs and all that kind of stuff. How you, so you've got to, you've got to be a self-confident individual. Have you always been a self-confident individual? Is that something that you, uh, you know, kind of cultivated over time? It started to pick up, uh, around 19, 20 years old when I think I've, first finally started to realize what type of life path I should be walking down. Yeah. Um, you know, I played sports in high school. I was on varsity football, yep. baseball, uh, did a little bit of wrestling and, uh, you know, I wasn't the best athlete, but I, I played yeah. and I had a great time and that, that helps build a lot of confidence. I think, mm -hmm. I think competitive sports, especially wrestling, which I consider to be one of the most difficult high school sports. Cause For it's just sure. you versus another guy That's on a it. mat. And it's winner take all. So uh, I think sports definitely helped uh, build confidence in myself. But once I also found what I was truly passionate about, and that's politics and the law, and it's not something I was exposed to very much, you know, in middle school, high school, a little right. bit of civics, right? right. But not really uh, getting too deep into it. But once I was in college and even though it was a very liberal, you know, environment, I, uh, you know, started to really like that stuff and, and, and learn, wanted to learn more about it. And then that passion, you know, a lot of the great entrepreneurs and, and leaders in our, uh, you know, world will tell you that you have to do something you're passionate about because everything, no matter what it is, is is a grind it's a long 
grind. Mm -hmm. And some of the best, most notable people have like a 10 year period where you look on their Wikipedia, their bios, and they basically, they graduate college. And then 10 years later, they pop up as some, you know, vice president of some bank or something. And then they go do the thing. But that 10 year period, that's that grind phase. That's that, you know, becoming an expert, 10,000 hours of of training or whatever. Uh, And so that's, effectively what I did. Yeah. I, I studied the law and politics for many years. And, you know, law school is, is just very acute political learning and how it intersects with the Constitution. And at a certain point, I started to feel it. I said, you know what? I know this stuff. Yeah. And I'm willing to, to stand up for my beliefs because I know I can back it up. Yeah. And I think once you have that kind of internal voice, uh, listen to it. And then the number one thing that stops people and it almost stopped me is fear, fear of the unknown, fear of taking that leap into self-sufficiency where I'm not relying on a paycheck where I'm, I have to make my own money. I have to eat, you know, I have to eat what I kill. And if I don't kill something, you know, make a deal, uh, I don't eat. So that is that type of dynamic. I think also structuring your life in that way. You know, it's it's like setting the alarm clock across the room. You yeah. have to get up and go turn go it off. It. Yeah. If you set up these parameters in your life where you have no choice but to perform, and you have that confidence, I think the intersection, all that, can lead to some really good things. That's awesome, man. So much, so much good stuff there from building a life that, you know, that putting putting in the reps, the ten thousand reps, to building a life that you ultimately we had, uh, we had Seth Godin. Uh, on here, and I think he's he said something along the lines of you know working to build a life that you don't need to take a vacation from, right? And that same that same kind of concept. Um, I love that. And then the the ability to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation to force yourself to get past those fears. I'm a huge proponent. You know, we want our students that are here to to fail forward while they are here. To you know, we continuously try to put as many challenges in front of them because the challenges at that point, you know, there is a low cost for failure, right? The, the, you fail, but you're not taking care of a family. You're not supporting anybody yet. So learn, learn those lessons now. Learn them fast. Fail forward. And I'm a firm believer that you get done, you're 17, you're 18, get, scoot, get out of the parent's house, force yourself into that situation where now you've got to, like you said, kill if you're going to eat, you know, you've got to get out there and get after it. Um, I love that. And, and I think we've been handicapping our, our young people, especially for too long to get out of that mentality. You know, we still have 30, 35 year old men living, you know, in their parents' basement, and they've got a, a steady diet of gaming, um, you know, that they're taking on rather than taking on true responsibility. And, and um, we're, we're hindering, I think we're hindering our society with that. So I, I love all of those things that you're unpacking. Um, you know, when we're talking about education a little bit too, and obviously that's, that's what we do. One of the questions that came through is around financial, uh, advice and, and just paying attention to, to your finances as a young person at Acton. That is one of the things that we, you know, with these students at five years old, we're having everybody start a business. They're either starting a business every year they're here or they're taking it into perpetuity. We want them to understand profit and loss. We want them to, you know, understand a cash flow sheet. Like that's the math that I, I could care less if anybody takes calculus, right? Like that's the math that actually matters. Um, oh, yeah. Did you get any financial advice, whether it was from parents or anybody else when you were young, or did you have to learn learn some of the things the, the hard way from the financial perspective? You know, I... I was, uh, uh, I don't tell this to a lot of people, but I was actually on the math team in high school as Where well. Were you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
I like to think that since I was recruited to it, I'm yeah. not that big of a nerd. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's awesome. It, it was something I did. So I got a varsity letter on the math team. Go figure. That's awesome. So I, I'm a little bit of a different case in yeah. that I, I enjoy math. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I wanted to do purely yeah. in my life. Uh, but it was something I said, okay, I know I'm pretty good at this. Um, but it's not something I have like I, when you're around enough math people, some people love math For right, sure. in a weird way. And I just was never one of those people. Yeah. But, um, so it, it, it became part of my overall, you know, makeup. Yeah. And I ultimately knew, you know, I really wanted to go into law and politics. And so I said, okay, where's the intersection of all this? And I ultimately became a, a corporate lawyer yep. and a corporate lawyer doesn't argue in court. Uh, we do, we, someone told me once we do marriages, not divorces. And it's when two companies or investors or whatever, they want to make a deal, you know, say uh, for example, Walmart wants to merge with Amazon. That would never happen. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of lawyers that are going to do a lot of contracts to bring those businesses together. Mm -hmm. um, I specifically worked on people that invested in movies in Hollywood. You know, you go watch fast and furious or uh, Godzilla or whatever. Those are, you know, hundred million dollar plus budget movies. Right. Uh, someone's paying that money yep. and someone wants to make a return on that. And so there's a lot of complexities that go into it. So for me personally, um, I, I will always remember as a young law student and I talked with, you know, very experienced lawyers in the corporate world. And I said, what classes do I have to take in this last two years of law school that are going to best prepare me to be a good corporate lawyer? And they told me tax and accounting. Wow. And those Makes two sense. classes. And I took them in law school. Yeah. And I had never taken them before, but learning how balance sheets work, yep. cash flow, income statements, learning taxation, yeah. you know, uh, uh, how, how to allocate things, where to invest, what types of right. corporate structures to use. All of that is widely available. Yep. You can, you can Google it, you can YouTube it, you can take courses, but it is a fundamental set of uh, uh, skills that you need to be a successful business person. Because in the end, cash is king and where your cash goes and what you spend, that's going to determine the life Yep. Uh, you know, in prosperity of your, of your, of your companies. That's so good, man. I think that's great. And it's right on the heels of, you know, as we're recording, this is right on the heels of, of everybody getting fired up, right? Because New York times released uh, Trump's tax returns and um, you know, people are like, Oh my gosh, he only paid, you know, $700 in taxes or something. No, he, he income tax, income tax. Right. Yeah, exactly. Very specific type of tax. Very specific There's type hundreds of types right. of taxes that they don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about the payroll taxes he pays for his employees, the social security taxes, the capital gains taxes on the real estate investment. I mean, he pays probably tens of millions, if not more in taxes. Now it's not income tax right. because he's not an employee of someone. He owns a business. Exactly. So people should look at that and say, Ooh, I want to do that too. Yes. Go build a business. 
Exactly. That's the that's the exact logic the uh, logic train that I wanted to go down. I mean, that's exactly it. He didn't do anything illegal with that, and and I can no. I can bring you a hundred of my friends personally that have gone down. Not that they have the same amount of money, but that they've gone that same exact route. And that's that's the way it goes. It's um, I think that is one of those things that it's highly highly under discussed, especially in academia. That is something that we just tend to shy away from. They don't. They don't want people to learn about entrepreneurialism. They don't want Bingo. people to start their own business. They want you to be reliant on government paychecks, Bingo. and they want as much money flowing into the government as possible. But the reason tax rates are lower for capital gains and investments is because we want people to take those risks and start businesses and employ people and create jobs. That's how you grow an economy. Yep. Small businesses employ. I think the majority of, of American employees That's right. and you know, I'm a small business. Yep. You're a small business. Yep. I mean, you're probably a big business, but you know, we're, 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 we're self starters yeah. and they say, okay, in exchange for the risk you're taking with your capital, because we lose money, we lose money, but we take those risks and sometimes it pays off and it can create lots of jobs, great communities. Yeah. It, it builds people's futures. So they look at, you know, income tax, but little do they know, they're actually going to actually inadvertently train people and teach people how best to, to maneuver in the American right. economy by highlighting how Trump has done it. Because what he's done is legal yep. and it's very smart. Yep, absolutely. Very well said. Very well said. I love that. Um, as, you know, and you mentioned, mentioned the businesses, as an employer, you know, I, I know that there are, uh, certain things that I look for as far as bringing somebody in, and it's been a very interesting ride. And this is this is uh, kind of setting up the the next question that that came in. Um, you know, the last the last five or six years, as I've been building the campuses that we're building out here in Northern California uh, to provide for my family, my my other business has been traveling and speaking and, and working with organizations all over the world and. Um, you know, a lot of Fortune 500s that, that you would know would know the names of. And so I get to sit down with these CEOs and these hiring managers and um, knowing what I have going on with the campuses too, one of the questions I always have, which is why I love that it came through is, so what are you looking for? What are you looking for for a young person that's coming out of school, right? That, that says, okay, look, I want to come work for you guys. I love what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of this team. Um, and, you know, the answers vary, but there is a consistency. Again, mm -hmm. on this podcast, we have had some of the you know, most well-known business owners on the planet. We've had some amazingly brilliant people. The consistency continued. There is one answer that I almost never get. And I'll tell you what that is after I ask you the question. So let's just say somebody goes, hey, Rogan, I'm 21, 22, fresh out of wherever. Maybe I came out of college, maybe I didn't. I wanna come work for you. I love what you're doing. I wanna be on your team. What do I have to show you for you to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take a chance on this young person? What do you want to see from that young person that makes you go, okay, let's let's give this person a shot? Mm -hmm. uh, three things. Passion for mm -hmm. what they want to work in. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's demonstrated through past work experience. Work experience is, is kind of the name of the game. Sure. But, you know, if they're a new employee, right, you're rolling the dice a little bit on an unknown product. Um Passion is number one. Uh, number two is, is ethics and yeah. integrity. I want someone that's going to admit when they make mistakes. Yep. 
and because the the fix for a mistake is a lot uh, easier than ruining that trust right. that you have in their employee. And especially if you're going to give so them true. more and more responsibility and autonomy, you want to make sure you can trust them. So true. Never ever lie to your to your boss and your coworkers. And then uh, the last thing I want to see is grit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a there's a grind phase for anyone that wants to be successful in life. Yeah. Uh, and you have to get through the tough times. There's going to be bad days. You're you're gonna you know get yelled at by your boss. You're gonna mess something up. You're gonna miss an important family event or a holiday or or, or a trip. Uh, what are you gonna to do to bounce back from that? Because um, I've seen very smart, educated, successful people they burn out. Yeah. And that's ultimately what stops people, I think, from uh, attaining their maximum. Uh, uh, potential yeah. is not sticking through the tough times. Totally. So those are the three things, that, passion, man. integrity, and grit. I love that. And you're talking about that, that resilience, you know, and again, that's something that I think it's so imperative that we, that we pour, especially to our young people, we don't have enough adults with resilience. And, and so we're not pouring into these kids and teaching them how to build that resilience either. And that's to everybody's detriment. Um, you know, and you mentioned kind of that longevity of that. And, and I really think, you know, I don't know the exact statistics, you hear it all the time of 90% or whatever the percentages of, of small businesses that, that fail, right, and that aren't successful. I don't think that's because that many people start something and have a bad idea, or they can't figure out you know, operationally, how to make something work. I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's because it is so hard and it does take a long time. I think that's where we lose everybody is because there's not the resilience, that grit to go, okay, I'm going to keep going one more day, one more day. I'm going to go one more day and then I can quit the next day. And then you get up that next day and you go, okay, I'm going to go one more day and then I can quit tomorrow. Right. And it's just building that consistency. I think that's where we lose the majority of people in a lot of things. It's that grit to keep pushing you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you said that and, and very, um, you know, again, the, the answers that we get aren't always exactly the same. There is a very similar concept. And the one answer that we um, almost never, if not never get, and again, did not get it here either is no, you got to have that college degree. You got to have the college degree to get, I never get, I never get it. I never get that anymore. And this is some of the biggest organizations on the planet. They're like, look, if you can, if you have some of these intangibles, if you can show that you have the ability to do what this is you have here, you can show all this, you can show the ethics, you can show all that stuff, then, then, um, you know, we're willing to go to bat for you. Let's go. And I love that. I love that that's the trend. And I love that people are realizing that. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. That's, that's the new wave of thinking because, you know, as these college campuses and, and mm. you know, become more radicalized, yeah. they, they, it's less about education and more about indoctrination. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the skill set involved to be successful in business yeah. really doesn't take much more than a year of post high school training, yeah. you know, to, to, to get and you could probably learn it all in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I almost would prefer someone that that didn't go to Harvard, because then it doesn't have that sense of entitlement and and all that. And Jordan yeah. Peterson has, you know, uh, spoken in depth about how there's no correlation between IQ and character. That's right. And, you know, it, it's just because you have a fancy degree doesn't mean you're going to be someone that some people can rely on and people that, you know, so, someone that people want to work with. Yeah. Um, I will, I am 
absolutely a believer in the fact that, or, or, or in the idea that I would, people would rather work with a B plus worker who yeah. they like than an A plus worker who they don't like. So true. And, you know, in the end, you're working with humans. So you want to be a good person. I think those intangibles are what makes you, you know, a good coworker and a good employee. So true. Must play nice with the other boys and girls. I mean, that is such a big, that is such a big deal, man. The character, the ethics, yeah. that matters. It matters so much. Yeah, it's funny. I asked, um, when we asked Dennis, you know, what he thought about the, the the college landscape, he said, I would rather have my, you know, if I had a son or daughter right now going into college, I'd rather they spent the entire four years intoxicated than indoctrinated. Right? And and I get it. I get it. And I posted something that Will, you know, Will Witt was on, uh, you know, he does his things on, on college campuses. And I kind of, uh, I posted something yesterday and somebody jumped on and says, no way, that's scripted. I'm like, no, this, this is not scripted. And we can give you so many examples, so oh, yeah. many examples of what's going down. Have you gotten to see No Safe Spaces yet? Is that the Will Witt documentary? So it's, we have, we have put it out last year as, um, Prager and and Corolla. Oh, Adam Corolla. And yeah, 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 yeah. We're on the college yeah, yeah, yeah. college campuses. Yeah, and and kind of what's going on with all that with the uh, you know the cancel culture happening there, and people need to realize that that's a real that's a real thing. And again, I want somebody to go to college if they see that there's a need for it, they need to do it. They can do it without you know incurring debt, and there is an absolute reason for it. But you've got to go in there understanding that that's the current landscape. Absolutely, it is what it is. I, I think uh, entrepreneurialism. I think having started a company and and at least had a somewhat sustainable business yeah. to me is almost probably as important as an Ivy League degree. Yeah. If you can demonstrate that and if it's in a similar field and you've got, again, work experience. I think work experience sure. is more important than uh, a degree. Yeah. And I experienced that myself. Yeah. I remember I had a very good GPA coming out of college. I was president of student government. Right. And I you thought, okay, I'm on top of yeah. things here. You were on the and math when team. I was a, don't, don't, don't downplay it. You were on the math team too. <laughs> well, that was in high school yeah, at the okay. time. All right, so, all and again, right, I didn't really okay. add that to my resume because I didn't want to get <laughs> quizzed on okay. something else. <laughs> Fuzzy on. Yeah. But um, it, you know, the number one thing that people brought up in these interviews were, you know, what's your work experience? Yeah. And and that's work experience is king. So I actually went to Northeastern mm. University in Boston. They yep. uh, are known for their co-op program where after your second year, you start to mix, you know, six months of an internship and then you go back to six months of school and then another six months of internship, another six months of school. And by the end of it, you have at least a year of full-time work experience at very reputable companies, GE, Microsoft. So I think that model is is the best model yeah. for training people for the modern workplace. I love that, man. I love that. That speaks exactly to what I, we don't want our high school students uh, on campus full-time. We want them off campus involved in working with organizations that are in fields that they're interested in. That's what we want the majority of their high school experience to be so that they are just accumulating the the experiences. It's the network obviously is beneficial to understand, you know, to, to, to have that network of individuals that are going to write you those letters of recommendation or get to see your character, get to see that work ethic at a young age. Um, but it's that experience too. I think it trumps so much. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's brilliant. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, and people look at this as, alternative education, which, you know, as you and I were growing up, alternative education meant, you know, you're about to go to juvenile hall, right? Where 
really what this is, is how it always was. You know, these apprenticeship kind of programs, that's what you did. You grew up in an area, you were an apprentice underneath somebody who was a, a master at whatever that was. And then you kind of, you know, went into to that field. And I think we're just kind of doing the 21st century version of that is exactly what you're talking about. You know, I, love I, I applaud you very highly for doing that because it, it is the future. Yes, sir. You're just on the cutting edge of it. I appreciate that very much. Um, one of the last, we got a couple, couple more questions here on, on the end, and one of the last ones is absolutely one of my favorites. And so, uh, the question is posed as: What is a piece of common knowledge? Everybody knows this is right. Society says, "Look, everybody understands here in America, you know, around the world, whatever, whatever context you want to take it, that this is the way things work." And Rogan goes. Yeah, but I completely disagree, you know, and, and I always um, frame it as, you know, from my standpoint, again, as a career educator, everybody knows, you You know, it's kind of what we've been talking about. Everybody knows you have to go to college to be successful. You have to go to college to get a good job. I'm completely on the other side. I'm, I'm very much the, uh, uh, you know, whatever, the pariah in the education world that says, actually, I think it's a bad idea for the majority of people. It can be useful, but I think it's a bad idea for the majority of people. So is there anywhere where you're kind of counterculture? In, in terms of people? Any, anything. Just in general? You can any, take it, anything you can in take general? it anywhere you want. We had Michaela Peterson, and she's like, yeah, I think you should only eat meat, and that's it, right? Like that's where you just kind of completely counterculture um, and you can kind of have fun and go with uh, okay, whatever you want to Okay, two things. One, uh, I think uh, gun safety should be taught in schools. Ooh. I think we should do more to teach kids how to safely and properly handle firearms. Uh, it prevents accidents. It, um, it, it demystifies yeah. guns. It's something that we used to do as a country. And most importantly, it is your constitutional right to keep and bear arms. And when you turn 18, we entrust you with exercising that right safely. And so why would we not teach our youth how to properly exercise the second highest ranked constitutional right, right. second only to free speech? So that's, that's one thing. Um, and uh, the second thing is, I think we should adopt the, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. philosophy of prioritizing content of character over color of skin. I think we've drifted wildly off course and off message from his beliefs, where everything is looked at through a lens of, well, you're this skin color, so you should do this, or you think that. And I say, I don't want to look at that. Yeah. I, I want to look at what types of choices you make as a human, as a person, you know, and those are, I believe, stemming from my Christian beliefs that, you know, we are all children of God and we're all special and, and every life is precious. So I, I don't like that divisive uh, racial aspect, I think, is sinking into too many places. And, you know, thankfully, that. President Trump is standing up against that with his new patriotic education framework and yada, yada. So, yeah, I, I, I think... You know, proper handling and, and safety with, with guns for, for younger people. I think public schools should uh, have some type of course on that because because as we've as they say, right, abstinence doesn't work. They love saying that That's when right. it comes to sex education. That's they right. say kids are going to do it anyway. Might as well teach them how to do it properly. Oof. Same concept with guns. Yep, fall on that same logic train. I love that, man. Oh, I love that. So the personal responsibility side could not could not agree more. Um, that's a that's a such a 
uh, such a big deal. Um, but that gun, I, I love that. I talked about that program with Tim Kennedy and what we're doing and how it's starting out as a virtual program, ultimately to be a physical campus. And, and this is, we're calling it the Apogee uh, program. And that on that physical campus, that is that is a part of it. That is gun gun safety, learning how to safely utilize a number of weapons, learning how to learning how to hunt, learning how to be a protector, learning how to just safely do like that is all part of that program. I could not agree more. Do you follow uh, Colin Noir? Oh yeah, love yeah. him. Brilliant, brilliant. I love great that. Guy. That's another great guy. Another guy that's just very, very logical in his approach, right? And that's that's what. You know, you mentioned that kind of getting back to the content of the character. If we can do that, because that's become this superficial shield where you look, you identify, is this person part of my tribe, right? You got this tribalism, whether you're looking from a, a color standpoint or they're red or they're blue or they're, you know, uh, identifying as trans or they're identifying as what, like whatever the flavor of the day is, we are you know, being taught to filter everything through that. And then as long as they fit there, then we're going to go ahead and listen to the ideas that come out of that, right? And, and and look at their actions and then see who they are. But as long as I identify up here, not all of this stuff is secondary down here. And it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous way to live, right? And I love it's, calling it's, just, it's, it's demeaning. The, it's demeaning. It absolutely is demeaning. And it gets us out from having these conversations around really, uh, important topics, and it gets us away from looking at things from a logical perspective because we're not willing to listen to logical people because they just they don't fit the tribe, you know they don't fit the tribe. And, and I love you know Colin is is just an absolutely logical individual, the way he lays out you know his his uh, his thoughts around the guns. I love that. We've definitely never had that answer yet, um, but I I could not agree more, man. Could Good. Not glad, agree more. glad glad to be the first, and yeah, I think dude. tied very closely to it is you know physical self defense and. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of combat training of sorts. Absolutely, you know, the world is a scary place sometimes, and you should know how to defend yourself a little bit. You know, I wrestled, I played football, yeah. and you know, it's a great basic framework. And obviously, yeah. Tim Kennedy is, you know, Mister Savage, Absolutely. MMA, yep. Green Beret. I mean, yep. name it. Uh, so, so I, I love that you guys are doing that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's extremely important. You know, teach men to be men again, and and teach. Women and young girls, uh, you know, kind of confidence building lessons with, with guns, too, because, that's right. uh, you know, gun rights are women's rights. That's right. And, and there is no greater equalizer than a gun. Uh, a five foot, 200 pound girl can stop a 300 pound bodybuilder with a gun. Yeah. Can't do it with a taser and pepper spray. That's so. exactly right. We've seen that. Nope. So true, man. Could not agree more. So one of the last questions on here, man, is, is the legacy quote question. And so... You know, God gives you a phone call today and says, Rogan, man, this has been a great run. Thank you for everything you're doing. By the way, tomorrow is it, man. You're all you're all set. Your journey is up. We're going to put you in the ground. We're going to give you the headstone. On that headstone, you get to kind of leave whatever message you want, whether it's your own words, whether it's somebody else's words and a quote that you like. What is kind of the, the message that, that you want to leave? What do you want to have on that headstone, whether it's a word, a quote? Um, what does that look like for you? That quote would be, if you won't stand up for what you believe in now, when will you? Mm. I want to ask him a question. I, I want that. you to think about that internally. It's never going to be convenient. It's never going to be easy. But when you stand up for what is right, 
I promise it's the best feeling in the world yeah. because you you truly are filling your purpose on this planet. And, you know, the, the idea is to leave this world a little bit of a better place than how you found it. Mm. And I know I could, uh, you know, knock on wood, die tomorrow and know that I spent the last few years of my life truly doing what I love and what I what I believe is a, is a righteous cause. So and good. my number one goal is to wake up as many other fellow patriots as possible across this land and say, hey, that little voice that you've been ignoring that says something's a little messed up right now and I hope people fix it, but it seems like it's getting worse. That's your calling to step up and stand up for what you believe in. So a lot of brave men like Tim Kennedy and others have answered that call and they serve in the military, but there's many ways that you can do it where you don't have to uh, necessarily take that path. And it's, uh, you know, just working in your local community or posting online or starting a business with a good cause like you're doing. Um, but yeah, if you won't stand up for what you believe in now, when will you? I love that, man. I love that because the inherent answer is if you're always saying tomorrow, what you really mean is never. And that is just a bad, that is just a bad place to be. And it's not, it's not going to, you know, provide that peace that we were talking about earlier too. I love that, man. I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's phenomenal. Before we get to where people can find you and what you, you know, what you have going on, where you would have people go, the very last thing on there, anybody else that you think people, young people especially, should be paying attention to and following, whether that's on, you know, whether that's on social media, whether that's jumping in the news, whether that's reading their book, anybody that, that you're liking where you're like, hey, young people, if you want to get back to that kind of logical, that sense of purpose, that, you know, whatever that looks like, hey, maybe you want to check these these other people out too. Yeah, I really like uh, Candace Owens. I really like Anna Paulina. She's a little bit lesser known, mm-hmm. but she's an Air Force veteran, a Hispanic, uh, uh, you know, California native who now is running for Congress in Florida. And I think she's an absolute legend. She she turned down medical school. She was accepted. She was ready to enroll, but she turned it down to go stand up and fight for what she believes in again yeah she was already in the military for for six years um she's great and i really like brandon tatum he's a he's a tremendous guy he was yep. a police officer yep. in arizona i believe um and now he's you know uh, a free speech you know constitutional advocate and and uh you know he's black and he and he yep. really pushes you know kind of uh, uh more truth in in areas where truth is not easily found such as with a lot of this police uh you know anti-police rhetoric and and all that so those are three people that i um those are, you know, true, really respect. Those are great. I, I'm yeah, sad to say that I don't know. Anna. I'll have to go. Uh, I'll take a look, um, take a look at her journey. And the other two definitely been falling for a while too. So three, um, quality, quality human beings, uh, as are you, sir. So where does, where do people go to hear more from you? What do you got? What do you got on the docket? Um, where would you have people go to hear more? Yeah. Uh, I'm found on pretty much any platform, including TikTok. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I do think now, especially that TikTok is being bought by American-based companies, it's going to be a much better yeah. platform for the country. But yeah. uh, it's all DC Drano, yep. DC underscore Drano, D-R-A-I-N-O. And that stands for draining the DC swamp. I'm very anti-corruption. And the media's number one job is to hold our elected officials accountable. They're not doing that. 
they are in fact covering up for the corrupt elected officials. So citizen journalism, just like your new school system, is the wave of the future. It's people taking, uh, uh, you know, education, information, journalism into their own hands. You don't need to be a multi-billion-dollar corporation. You can just be a single person with an account and a voice. And if you tell the truth and you have courage, people will follow you and, and you'll grow. Yep. So yeah, DC Drano. I love it, man. Yeah, and 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 again, I you know I can't thank you enough for for having the courage to do that and for being a human being with character. Um, that is, you know, first and first and foremost to me, the most important thing. You're standing into the gap and you're in. You're, you know, you're exposing things, you're speaking truth, you're doing the things that good, you're not just good men, but just good people are supposed to do. That is supposed to be our default nature, you know, and we have far too few doing it, man. So thank you for, for doing that, for doing what you do. And thanks for spending the time. I appreciate it today, man. Thank you very much for having me on. Big sport, what you guys do. Looking forward to seeing what it turns into. There you go, guys. No matter what side of the political spectrum you are on, or maybe you are dead center, um, you will get a kick out of this guy's page. So go go follow DC Drano, um, see what he's got going on, and, the, and as you can tell from the conversation, just a uh, an honorable human being too. Um, really, really bright guy, really, really good guy. So I'm sure you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Thank you guys again for listening. Please, again, always feel free to share, let people know what is going on, and we will catch you next time on The Essential 11. See ya.